Monday, the 13th of November, as we begin the week, let's pray for all those who are unemployed uh, through the intercession of St. Joseph in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Silent and well-known carpenter in Nazareth, model of workers, by the work of your hands you gave your contribution to the work of Creator. You er work of the Creator. You earned your living and you provided for the needs of the Holy Family. Intercede for all workers in the difficulties of their daily lives, especially for the unemployed and their anxieties for tomorrow, so that through the guidance of God, the great architect and builder, they may use their strength and talents to make visible God's new creation, to offer a concrete service to society, and to earn wages worthy of their efforts. With confidence and trust, we make this prayer through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Joseph, pray for us, and we're praying for all of you who are in the job search at any level of it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of seasonal work available this time of year, but I know a lot of you who've got families and all kinds of things to take care of would probably uh, like something a little bit more than seasonal work. So we're praying for you, especially as we get closer to Thanksgiving, Christmas, the whole winter series of stuff. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman at the controls. Travis has our video feed up and running. You can link to it in the show notes at Sunrise Morning Show. Com. We'll take a look at this week in Catholic history with Kevin Schmeezing, as we do to kick off every week. Father Patrick Briscoe will get us ready for the USCCB's meeting. Uh, I don't know if they call it the November meeting, the fall meeting, the autumn meeting, the pre-Thanksgiving, whatever it is they call it. Uh, Father Briscoe is going to give us a little bit of a preview of that. Father John Gavin has more thoughts from the Church Fathers in the Catechism. And then Dr. Matthew Bunsen will talk about one of the saints who's on the calendar today, Pope St. Nicholas the first from the ninth century. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says there may be a deal in the works to free more hostages being held by Hamas. Appearing on NBC's Meet the Press yesterday, Netanyahu did not go into any detail, saying the chances of a deal are better the less he talks about it. He did say Israel was, quote, not close at all to any agreement until its forces began a ground operation into Gaza. The prime minister was responding to reports of a possible deal for the release of as many as 80 women, children and the elderly being held captive. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis prayed again for peace in the Holy Land after praying for Sudan. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. Pope Francis has called attention to the serious humanitarian crisis in Sudan caused by the ongoing civil war in the African nation that shows no signs of abating. The Pope decried the many victims, including millions of internally displaced persons and refugees in neighboring countries. The Pope said he's close to the sufferings of the dear populations of Sudan, and he addresses a heartfelt appeal to local leaders to facilitate access to humanitarian aid and with the contribution of the international community to work in search of peaceful solutions. 
Pope said, let us not forget these brothers and sisters of ours who are in distress. The Pope then spoke about the desperate situation regarding Israel and Palestine, underscoring his closeness to all those suffering, Palestinians and Israelis. He said he remembers and prays for them every day, and he offers them his embrace at this dark moment. The Pope exclaimed, may the weapons be stopped. They will never lead to peace, and may the conflict not spread. Enough, enough, brothers. He said, in Gaza, let the wounded be rescued immediately, and let civilians be protected, and let far more humanitarian aid be allowed to reach that stricken population. The Pope prayed also that may the hostages be freed, including the elderly and children. And he stressed that Every human being, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, of any people or religion, every human being is sacred, is precious in the eyes of God, and has the right to live in peace. Let us not lose hope and let us pray and work tirelessly so that the sense of humanity may prevail over hardness of heart. I'm Thaddeus Jones. Pope Francis over the weekend relieved Bishop Joseph Strickland from his care of the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. This move coming after the Vatican had ordered an apostolic visitation into the governance of the diocese. The move was confirmed on Saturday. Bishop Strickland was reportedly asked but declined to resign. The outspoken bishop has been a harsh critic of the pope, especially on social media, accusing him of undermining the deposit of faith. An apostolic administrator has been appointed to the Diocese of Tyler. A state of emergency is being declared in Los Angeles as the result of a pallet fire that has shut down a main highway indefinitely. Governor Gavin Newsom said in a statement Saturday night that the state is mobilizing resources to complete repairs and minimize the impact for travel in and around Los Angeles. The fire was first reported early Saturday morning at a storage yard underneath the 10 freeway. Officials hope to open at least one lane today. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is defending himself against accusations that the FBI is investigating his role in a Turkish consulate project. Mark Mayfield reports. The FBI is reportedly focusing on text messages related to the opening of the Turkish government's consulate in Manhattan. Federal investigators are looking into whether or not the texts from Adams helped fast-track the opening of the new building in 2021. This comes after the FBI raided the Brooklyn home of his top fundraiser. Adams has said he will fully cooperate with investigators. I'm Mark Mayfield. And Major League Baseball will announce its individual awards this week. First up today will be National and American League Rookie of the Year. The Manager of the Year will be handed down tomorrow. The Cy Young on Wednesday and the MVP in both the NL and AL will be announced on Thursday. Any predictions for Rookie of the Year, Matt? Uh, I got my National League prediction for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm a little fuzzy on the American League because I don't watch the American League as much. Sure. But I think if they don't give it to Corbin Carroll of the Diamondbacks, then I don't know who they give it mm. to. Yeah. But other we than that. We had some good rookies on the Reds. We but... had lots of good rookies on the Reds. I mean, out of all the people on the Reds, Spencer Steer yeah. would be the guy. I think he might be up for a silver slugger. Really? No, I don't but, know. Uh, but yeah, the the problem with the rookies for the Reds is they all played like – we didn't really start bringing him up until like June, and then we brought up like one a month. Yeah, and we had some. I mean, if Matt McLean had played a full series, oh full man, season, I know, you know right? that could have been. Yeah, that could have been big for him. But I don't know. I I think Corbin Carroll, the Diamondbacks. 
I think okay. he might be your guy. All right. He he was enough of a game changer in the world of the Diamondbacks mm-hmm. that they made a run that they that nobody thought they were gonna make. That's my thought. <laughs> the cool. AL. They all I just don't pay as much attention to. Yeah, I get it. No offense to our American League listeners. I don't know why I ignore you. We've got the designated hitter down, too. So. I know, right? It's eight minutes past the hour. I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests served for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. You are in danger, Mary. This child... What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem, starring Fiona Palomo, Milo Mannheim, Lecrae, Joel Smallbone, and Antonio Banderas. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere now. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. It is time for a look at this week in Catholic history with Kevin Schmeising, author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History. Kevin, good morning. Hey, Matt. Good morning. You know, we've been talking a lot about governors lately. Which governor are we talking about today? Yeah, we have been talking about the complicated question, the first Catholic governor. And this would be one candidate, Matt, Peter Burnett, uh, elected in California this week in 1849. It depends how you define the term. So Peter Burnett um, was born in 1807 in Nashville, Tennessee, into a slaveholding family. He was raised in Missouri, failed to prosper there. And so like many other Americans at this time, Seeking a new start, he headed west. He spent several years in Oregon, where he became involved in politics. It was during that time that he also became interested in Catholicism. He had been a member of the Disciples of Christ, and one part of his conversion story is reading the 1837 Purcell-Campbell debate. That's an episode we've talked about before, a public debate between one of the founders of the Disciples of Christ, Alexander Campbell, and the Bishop of Cincinnati, John Purcell. With his wife and children, Burnett joined the Catholic Church in Oregon City in 1846. Two years later, he joined the gold rush to California, made a fortune there in land speculation, and on November 13th, this week in 1849, after California achieved independence from Mexico, but before it was a U.S. state, Burnett was elected as its first governor. California became a state in 1850. Burnett resigned shortly thereafter, apparently due to personal financial troubles, He recovered, though, and later served as a California Supreme Court justice, a bank president, and in other capacities. He died in 1895 and is buried at the cemetery of the Mission of Santa Clara. There had been a number of institutions in California named after him, but many of those have been renamed in recent years in light of racially discriminatory discriminatory policies he promoted and enforced during his time as governor. The Catholic convert Peter Burnett was elected governor of California this week in 1849. All right. We've also got a Jesuit to talk about this week. And, uh, well, I mean, I never know when I'm bringing up a Jesuit if it's going to be more controversial or less controversial than the last piece we discussed. 
<laughs> you're about to find out. So this is another Peter. This one, not a convert, but Matt, you hinted at it. He was also involved in a controversy, though of a different sort. This one is Father Peter Gumpel, and he was born 100 years ago this week, November 15th, 1923. Born in Hanover, the son of German nobility, part of the Hohenzollern dynasty. This was a fact that Gumpel hid during his life. He changed his surname and told very few people about it. It only became widely known after his death. Some say his motivation was humility, others that it was a means of protecting himself and his family during the rise of Nazism in Germany, which occurred while he was a boy. Gumpel's grandfather and cousin were, in fact, executed by the Nazis. They were targeted because of the family's aristocratic stature, their devout Catholicism, and their opposition to Nazism and anti-Semitism. Peter himself fled Germany. He spent some time in the Netherlands, where he was part of the anti-Nazi resistance. There he joined the Society of Jesus. He had decided on that path as a child with the help of advice given by a family friend, the papal nuncio to Germany, Eugenio Pacelli who would become Pope Pius XII. In 1960, Gumpel was appointed as the Jesuit procurator in the Congregation for the Causes of Saints. That's where he would spend most of the rest of his life. He assisted with more than 100 causes, including those of American saints, Kateri Tekawitha, Philippine Duchesne, and Catherine Drexel. But his name is most closely associated with the cause of a not-yet-saint, Pope Pius XII. During the controversies over Pius's relationship with Nazism and Jews that has raged off and on over the last 60 years or so, Gumpel emerged as one of the Pope's most redoubtable defenders. His defense was successful as far as the Vatican was concerned. Pope Benedict XVI declared Pius XII venerable in 2009. His cause awaits the necessary miracles for beatification and canonization. Father Peter Gumpel died in 2022, a month away from his 99th birthday, because his day of birth was this week, back in 1923. Wow, when you said that there was someone who was born in 1923, I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. Uh, you know, we'll find out what the long view of history is in regard to that person. But my goodness, <laughs> I didn't realize he lived that long. What an extraordinary story, and what extraordinary implications, and uh, who knows what... Uh, his passing might allow for more exploration in regard to. Kevin Schmeezing, we've got your book, A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you, as always. Have a great day. Thanks, Matt. You too. Let's check on weather heading into the work week. A stalled cold front off the Gulf Coast will continue to bring rain showers and thunderstorms to the region. The timing would be that the southeast and western central Gulf Coast would hit get hit in the morning, then the southern plains and lower Mississippi Valley in the afternoon, afternoon and evening. I don't know why I tried that sentence. An area of low pressure will be moving across south-central Canada, bringing wintry weather to the northeast. Southern New York will get rain. Northern New York and Vermont will get a mix of rain and snow. Snow also looking likely in the higher elevations of Vermont, New Hampshire, and portions of Maine. That's not too crazy for November. Uh, looks like a slow Pacific storm system will continue to affect the northwest with rain showers at the coastline from central California to Washington. Mix of rain and snow possible at the higher elevations of Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and Montana. Otherwise, dry and quiet for most of the rest of the USA. Right now, it is a quarter past. We're back with headlines right after this.
Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. One of the reasons we should go to Mass is because it is the food of the saints that we receive. And for the saints, they understood rightly that the time after Holy Communion, that those moments are the most precious moments of our lives. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, live from the EWTN Chapel, every morning, 8 Eastern, on EWTN Radio and Television. 17 minutes past the hour, here's Anna with headlines. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says there may be a deal in the works to free more hostages being held by Hamas. Pope Francis, over the weekend, relieved Bishop Joseph Strickland from the care of his Diocese of Tyler, Texas. And during his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis reflected on the Sunday Gospel, asking if we have enough oil in our lamps. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, I try not to comment about things I don't know about, mm-hmm. um, but... I did see a story come across. Uh, I woke up to, to a little soundbite, and I thought that it would be worth responding, and you might be interested in it, too. Okay. So uh, Megan Rapino from the U.S. Oh. Women's National Team. Okay. Um, she, unfortunately, I'm very sorry to hear on, for, for her sake, uh, in her last game, a few minutes in, uh, injured what appears to be her Achilles, not completely unlike what happened to Aaron Rodgers in his first game as a Jet. Mm, okay. And uh, she was asked about it after, after in the press conference, she said a bunch of different things about it. Um, but among them, she said, I'm not a religious person or anything, and if there was a God, like, this is proof that there isn't. And she goes on to say a couple things that because I should not say on Catholic Radio. Because she injured her Achilles? Right. And then she said, six minutes in, I eat my Achilles. All right, so I don't, I don't want to talk necessarily about Megan. Sure. Uh, because that's a different kind of conversation, and we are all, as I am, I am hoping everybody is aware. Everyone is on a journey. Yeah. Everyone is on a journey. Mm-hmm. But the idea that you uh, having some sort of uh, bad thing befall you is proof that God does not exist. Actually, 
So that might work if you were a prosperity gospel right. person, right? Yeah. Uh, although if you're a prosperity gospel person, your first default move would be maybe I don't have enough, enough faith. faith. Yeah. Uh, now, there would be some other kinds of ways to look at that. As a matter of fact, uh, C.S. Lewis would say, um, and actually a bunch of other philosophers would probably tell you that the best argument against the existence of God is the problem of evil and suffering in the world, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But adversity in general doesn't prove or disprove anything. It just, if anything, all it proves is free will and original sin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe there's a different way to kind of reframe a certain question. I mean, I it, it's such a strange perspective from my standpoint to think I injured my Achilles. You can fill in, by the way, any kind of mishap that could happen to anybody listening. Well, yeah, right but now. I mean, it's like especially when you're playing sports. And you're playing professional sports. It's usually a natural consequence. It's, yeah. I saw, I'm, like, five Baltimore Ravens like, get carted off in the course of the Did you game. really, I mean, like, is God's role really to, like, prevent you from getting injured? I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. That's just, that's hard for me to There are to layers and layers swallow. to this question. Yeah. Praying for you get better, Megan. Same here. Donors are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. One of the great women of faith in the Bible does not even have a name. We read her story in the second book of Kings, and there she is simply called the woman from Shunem. She welcomed the prophet Elisha into her home. After a long time, she and her husband even added a room to the house for the prophet Elisha. She wanted nothing from this world in return, but she did receive a gift from God. She and her husband, long without children, were blessed with a son. Years went by until one day the child took sick and died in his mother's arms. What did she do? She went straight to the prophet Elisha, knowing that as a prophet of God, he was an agent of life. Elisha prayed over the child and his life was returned to him. In a world so choked with the desire for things, this woman looked for something more, something intangible, a close relationship with God. She did not crowd God out with other interests. She was not too busy to listen. The space for God in her world opened the way to new life. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to a new week. Feast of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. 
great for us. And Pope St. Nicholas I. We'll talk about him later with Dr. Matthew Munson. Father Patrick Briscoe joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is editor of Our Sunday Visitor. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Anna. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us. So the U.S. bishops are gathering in Baltimore for their fall general assembly this week. And I've got to start out with this because it's the big news of the weekend. Notably not going to be with them is the now former bishop of Tyler, Texas, Bishop Joseph Strickland. Uh, Do you think this is going to be the elephant in the room in Baltimore this week? Yeah, it's a good question, Anna. I mean, I do, I do recall after Bishop Martin Hawley was relieved of the administration of the Diocese of Memphis in Tennessee, that Bishop Hawley did attend the fall meeting. Um, and it seems that it seems that um, Bishop Hawley was removed from from his uh, oversight of the diocese for administrative re- reasons, and something like that could be the case with Bishop Strickland. Although certainly uh, Bishop Hawley didn't have the same kind of public presence, uh, the, the Twitter profile and all of the rest uh, that Bishop Strickland did. So so he could, he, you know, for all we know, he could show up in Baltimore, but, but I, I think it would be unlikely. Yeah, I think he said on social media that he is not planning on attending, um, which will make the conversation in the hall a little, shall we say, less interesting. <laughs> He's always been pretty outspoken in his opinions at these meetings, right? Well, it's it's true, and in fact, um, one of the points that we're certainly going to see debated at length is abortion. Um, yeah. The bishops are going to reissue uh, faithful citizenship, forming consciousness for faithful citizen, citizenship, the advisory and catechetical document, uh, teaching on how to approach elections. And during the last update to that document, um, now Cardinal McElroy of San Diego, then Bishop McElroy, uh, objected to some of the language about abortion. And Bishop Strickland was one of the first bishops to respond, along with Archbishop Chaput, who is retired, um, to, to take a, the opposing view from Cardinal McElroy. So, so that, uh, that coming debate about faithful citizenship and certainly about abortion, uh, you know, is, is the kind of place where we would have seen typically an intervention from Bishop Strickland. Well, I wanted to ask you about the topic of abortion with the meetings moving forward, because I saw that faithful citizenship was on the agenda. I mean, this coming in the wake, I mean, what, it's a little more than a year since Roe v. Wade has been overturned, and the pro-life movement has suffered a number of defeats um, when abortion has been put up for a vote most recently here in Ohio, Father Briscoe, it was a devastating loss. In Ohio, we are enshrining abortion in the state constitution. I mean, there is a lot of work to be done to establish a culture of life and legally protect the unborn. Absolutely. I don't think it could be any more clear that uh, that our political initiatives begin with abortion, that it is, that it is the preeminent political issue of our day. Uh, but, 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 but we'll certainly see what, what, the bishops, uh, what the bishops decide. I think, that, uh, I think that one of the things that has been argued in the past is that the emphasis on abortion uh, separates the bishops from their union with Pope Francis, and that's just not true. The Holy Father is extremely pro-life, and there would be no reason to be cautious about uh, to be cautious about that. So, 
So again, we'll see what they say. We'll see what they say in the meeting along those lines. I mean, I never heard Benedict the Sixteenth compare abortion to hiring a hitman. Um, exactly. Yes, so exactly. I'm example. really not yes. sure where they're getting that idea from, that this would somehow separate themselves from Pope Francis. But what else is on the agenda this week that you're going to be watching, Father? Well, some things are, some things are uh, administrative things that are, that are encouraging or interesting, such as the, uh, such as the vote to support uh, the bishops of England and Wales uh, in their move to propose John Henry Newman as a doctor of the church. Mm. Uh, nice. So that, that's a that's a kind of uh, spiritual and interesting thing, and that would cement um, certainly John Henry Newman's contributions to theology, which are extraordinary. Another another move that would that that could impact the faithful would be um, advancing Mother Teresa to be an unoptional memorial on the liturgical calendar, so that she could be regularly uh, regularly celebrated in a in a in a kind of stable way. Um, so. So some votes like this that that uh, that would uh, that that would uh, coordinate the way or direct the way we celebrate some of the saints. Um, we'll also see we'll also see updates from the synod. I mean that that's going to be one of the livelier discussions yeah. <laughs> I expect. Um, that'll be led by Bishop Flores, um, uh, among others. So so that that kind of presentation of 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 the synod publicly among the U.S. bishops will be, will be something to watch. Yeah, that's also going to be a place where Bishop Strickland's voice will be noticeably absent, I think. But uh, Archbishop Cordelione of, of San Francisco has certainly been vocal in that regard. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and of course we have uh, also on the Synod, we have um, Bishop Kevin Rhodes of Fort Wayne South End, uh, who, who has been actively involved in the Doctrine Committee, as well as a lot of the, the approaches to the sin of the church in the U.S. He's got a strong voice there. So will our Sunday visitor be covering all of this this week, Father? Absolutely. Please follow us at OurSundayVisitor.com. You can find that linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Check out all their great coverage of the news in the church and around the world. Father, it was good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me on. You bet. And you can find all of our guests linked at Sunrise Morning Show in our show notes. Click on that subscribe button so that it all comes to your inbox every morning as we go on the air. S-O-N-RiseMorningShow.com. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says there may be a deal in the works to free more hostages currently being held by Hamas. Appearing on NBC's Meet the Press, Netanyahu did not go into any detail, saying the chances of a deal are better the less he talks about it. He did say Israel was not close at all to any agreement until its forces began a ground operation into Gaza. The prime minister was responding to reports of a possible deal for the release of as many as 80 women, children, and the elderly being held captive. Pope Francis appealed again for the Holy Land during his Angelus address yesterday. He said, quote, may the weapons be stopped. They will never lead to peace. And may the conflict not widen. Enough, enough, brothers. He said, in Gaza, let the wounded be rescued immediately. Let civilians be protected. Let far more humanitarian aid be allowed to reach that stricken population. May the hostages be freed, including the elderly and children, he said. Every human being, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, of any people or religion, every human being is sacred. 
is precious in the eyes of God and has the right to live in peace. He said, let us not lose hope. Let us pray and work tirelessly so that the sense of humanity may prevail over hardness of heart. The Holy Father also had prayers for the dire situation happening currently in Sudan. During his Angelus Address catechesis yesterday, the Pope reflected on the parable of the Ten Virgins, which we heard in the Gospel. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. The parable in the Gospel reading according to the Pope well, that's not going to work right now. We'll try to get back to that in just a second. Pope Francis, over the weekend, relieved Bishop Joseph Strickland from his care of the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. This move coming after a Vatican-ordered apostolic apostolic visitation into the governance of the diocese. The move was confirmed on Saturday. Bishop Strickland was reportedly asked but declined to resign. The outspoken bishop has been a harsh critic of the pope, accusing him on social media of undermining the deposit of the faith. An apostolic administrator has been appointed to the Tyler Diocese. Let's go back and try this from the Angelus yesterday, the Holy Father reflecting on the parable of the ten virgins. Here's Deborah Castellano-Lubov. The parable in the Gospel reading according to St. Matthew, the Pope said, regards the meaning of life of each person while acknowledging that all those bridesmaids are there to welcome the bridegroom as they are there with their lamps waiting, the Pope said the difference between the wise and the foolish ones was tied to the preparation. The wise ones, he observed, took flasks of oil with their lamps, that is to say the unseen element that generated the light. However, the foolish ones, on the other hand, did not. The Pope said that that was the difference and observed that oil's characteristic is that it cannot be seen. It is inside the lamps. It is not conspicuous, but without it, the lamps do not give light. The Holy Father urged faithful to see the relevance of this parable in their own lives. Jesus says he insisted that the wisdom of life lies elsewhere and taking care of what cannot be seen but is more important, caring for the heart, the faith. The Pope called this wisdom the stewardship of the inner life, which knows how to stop and listen to one's heart, to keep watch over one's thoughts and feelings and make room for silence and listening. It is capable of, he said, giving up some time in front of the telephone screen to look at the light of the eyes of others and in God's gaze upon us. For everyone, the Pope said it requires not falling into the trap of activism, but devoting time to the Lord, to listening to his word. The gospel, the Pope highlighted, warns us against neglecting the oil of inner life, or the oil of the soul, as he called it. The inner life, the Pope said, cannot be improvised, but requires constancy and a little preparation each day. For this reason, the Pope asked the faithful to ask themselves how they are preparing. The Holy Father said we must each examine the state of the oil of our souls, asking, do I nourish it and do I keep it well? I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. The student at a Denver Catholic school will be the recipient of the one millionth coat delivered by the Knights of Columbus. The Knights announced the historic coat was among a thousand coats that were distributed to five Catholic schools in Denver last week. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. 
And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me. Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, In which church are these attributes and marks found? Namely, unity, holiness, catholicity, apostolicity, infallibility, and indefectibility. There are a number of churches now in our global culture that seem to be universal, that exist in all nations. But there is no religion other than the Catholic Church, that has all of these marks and attributes. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 17, He who does not hear the church, let him be as a heathen or a publican. What our Lord meant was this, If anyone will not obey the church or belong to the church, that person is in grave danger of his soul. And so let us then try to cooperate with the grace given to God through his one holy Catholic apostolic church so that we might thereby reach the salvation to which he calls us. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. We are in the last full week before we get Thanksgiving next week. It's hard to believe how fast everything has gone. But uh, we're here for you. We're here to get you ready. And we'll uh, have some recipes from Rita Heikenfeld later this week to help you have a little less stress in your Thanksgiving prep. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father John Gavin. He's an author of a book called Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, which is a great resource for reading the Our Father with the Church Fathers. And we've been going through the Catechism, looking at how the Church Fathers are represented and cited there. Father, good morning. Good morning. We get more from St. Augustine today on reconciliation in the life of the Church. Uh, Where does this show up, and what is Augustine saying that gets excerpted here? So this comes from Article 10 in the Catechism, and it has been going through the Creed and uh, explanation of the Creed, and we come to the point where it's discussing, I believe, in the forgiveness of sins. And the specific passage that we're looking at in here is regarding the, the it's titled The Power of the Keys, that is, uh, the authority of the Church in the forgiveness of sins and reconciliation. So we get a uh, quote here from St. Augustine, and maybe before I read it, I'll just say a few things that's really wonderful about where this comes from. Uh, it comes from his sermon number 214, and it was given in 391 uh, during Lent, probably about a week or two before Easter. And so that's the time he's giving it. Then Augustine says at the beginning of the sermon, uh, he describes himself as a new recruit. And what he means is he had just been ordained a priest, uh, probably a month or two before. So he, this is a young uh, priest, Augustine, and probably one of, one of his earliest sermons that we have. So that's uh, the context there. 
And then in the sermon, he is talking about, it's a sermon on the creed itself. Uh, what he is doing here is what's called the uh, traditio symboli, that is the handing on of the creed. Uh, the creed was called a symbolon in Greek, uh, which meant uh, you had a perhaps a seal, two things together, that would be broken, and you would give it to your ally in another city, so that if you sent a messenger, you would have the other piece of this seal. And so Augustine says the creed, rightly, is called a symbol, because it is a kind of password. Uh, it's the way faithful Christians can be recognized. So that's the, that's the basic context that we have here where this comes from. Well, that's a very interesting place to put this. Uh, you know, but as I'm, as I'm looking through, so I, I can't help but read a passage like this and, and, and sort of mm-hmm. flash back to my own sort of evangelical roots and think how it would have struck me, uh, you know, back when I was a, you know, on fire, you know, Protestant kid Mm -hmm. that uh you that it would have it would have my my perception would be why would the church say you know don't go to god to have your sins forgiven go to us right the the misperception that a lot of evangelicals have but this quote from saint augustine really throws it back to say that the church doesn't actually have this forgiveness is not actually coming from the church it is something that it is a steward of so as the way the quote Mm -hmm. goes the church has received the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Well, that re- word received is very important, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So that in her, sins may be forgiven through Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit's action. Now, as an evangelical, I would have said, your sins are forgiven through Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit's action. I wouldn't have said that anybody was, you know, a mediator of such things. But it's clear from Scripture that Jesus did bestow that kind of authority. So that's what Augustine's tapping, tapping into here. Exactly. And he's, of course, going back to Matthew sixteen nineteen regarding the kings of the keys to the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then John twenty twenty three, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. But, of course, he says here, and I think you rightly point out, if we read the first sentence of it, of Augustine's quote, the church has received the keys of the kingdom of heaven so that in her sins may be forgiven through Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit's action. It doesn't say by her, but in her. It's in the life of the Church, but in the what really it's through what Christ has done for us on the cross and the continuing action of the Holy Spirit that we receive that forgiveness and that reconciliation. Well, and it it keys in on something, and you may have some comment about this. I'm very curious about how you think about this because you're a priest, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but my sins, uh, I you know reflect back to that evangelical world. I would have thought my sins put me out of fellowship with God. I wouldn't have thought, mm-hmm. which you know I think now as a Catholic all the time, my sins put me out of communion with God and Anna Mitchell and Paul Lockman and you, right? Mm-hmm. Like they put me right. out of right. communion with with all these other people too, uh, and and so the idea of this happening, the reconciliation happening, not just solo off to the side, me and Jesus, but happening in the context of the community that I've also broken my relationship with, then then it makes more sense to me. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. I think we in the early church had, was very conscious of this. Uh, in fact, some of the early forms of reconciliation actually involved uh, coming before the entire church community as part of I'm that. I'm glad, by the way, we don't do that anymore, just so you know. Yes. I'm, I'm very happy about yes. that. Yes, 
But I think what we see emerge, and, and rightly so, is the way it takes place uh, with the priest, uh, the, as, you know, obviously rec- uh, representing the life of the Church, right, and that reconciliation with the community. Because what Augustine goes on to say is that the soul dead through sin comes back to life in order to live with Christ, whose grace has saved us. I mean, the effects of that reconciliation uh, take place right now. The soul comes back to life. The soul's reconciled with the community and with God. But then it's also pointed toward eternity, to live with Christ uh, in, uh, in that union with Father, Son, and Spirit. So, uh, yes, it's communal, and it is, with, uh, it is with God. You know, not that your feelings matter much, for the effectiveness of the sacrament of reconciliation, but I wonder if you ever feel that, uh, you know, when you're pronouncing the words of absolution, if you sort of feel like, you know, that sort of mystery of the whole church behind you, and you're just like <clears throat> the the conduit it goes through. I wonder if that ever kind of like stuns you, <laughs> you know, the power. It, of that, it stuns of that me every every single confession stuns me. It really does, uh, and. I mean, what, I, what I'm witnessing is really uh, this person coming to Christ and seeing the healing, witnessing the healing take place. And just, it, it's, just, it's just a wonder and a, and a gift. And it actually, people should know, go to confession because you also help the priest. Um, you awaken in the priest uh, just that, uh, that desire for a greater union with God, and we get better priests the more people go to confession. Well, with all this in the background, as you know, sometimes people hit the scan button and land on us, and uh, some of those people who've hit the scan button and, button and landed on us are people who don't go to Mass right now, but they know they're going to have to go to Mass here in a few weeks with their grandma at Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what would you say to maybe one of them who's been away from the Church for a very long time to come back and take advantage of that sacrament, uh, that sacrament of confession, to come back and just lay it all out and get back in communion? I mean, the first thing I would say is is welcome back, uh, that Christ has been awaiting you with open arms. The Father has come out to meet you, and the joy and the peace and, that you are going to experience here in the new life in, uh, in grace, uh, this is not only the way to uh, prepare for the Advent season, Christmas, but also it's going to pour through your life going beyond. This is, this is the new beginning. Yeah. Well, this is uh, the end of the liturgical year. It's the beginning of Advent, and uh, it's a really great time for those who are away to take advantage of this thing that St. Augustine mentions. This is in uh, Catechism, paragraph 981, if you wanted to go back and, and read the context of all of it. Uh, but Father John Gavin, thank you as always. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. God bless. All right. Up next, got a couple saints on the calendar today. One of them is Pope St. Nicholas I, and we're going to talk about him with Dr. Matthew Bunsen after the break. It's 14 till. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. Look at the star. This is it. You truly believe that this child is the chosen one. What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere now. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. 
I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests served for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. Hi, this is Mike Aquilino with a few words about St. Irenaeus. It's only recently that Pope Francis has declared him to be a doctor of the church. And this is unusual because he's been dead for many centuries, almost two millennia. But I think he's a man for our time because he's teaching us to think, to have an educated faith, to know the reasons for what we believe and then present those to a skeptical world. Coming up later this morning on More to Life. We'll be taking your calls and helping you celebrate the life you were meant to live. Tune in to More to Life, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 Central on EWTN Radio. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 12 Till, here's Anna with headlines. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says there might be a deal in the works to free more hostages currently being held by Hamas. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis made another appeal for peace in the Holy Land and also in Sudan. And over the weekend, the Holy Father relieved Bishop Joseph Strickland from the care of the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. Next newscast coming up in about 13, 14-ish minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Matthew Bunsen, Vice President and Editorial Director of EWTN News. Good morning, Doc. Good morning. Great to be with you. It is great to have you. Now, here in the United States, we focus on November 13th as the Feast of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini and Mother Cabrini, of course, a giant in American Catholic history, no doubt. But we are going to talk about another saint on the liturgical calendar today, that being Pope St. Nicholas I, the Great. Now, I was looking at this. Okay, he was elected in 858, and so that means he is coming to the papacy uh, after Pope St. Leo the Great, who we just celebrated on the calendar just a couple of days ago on the 10th, and Pope St. Gregory the Great. So he must have been rather impressive (laughs) <laughs> to earn the title of the great after two guys like that. Yes, and then we can add in that there is one other saint that we generally now consider called the great, and that's John Paul II. Yeah. So this is some pretty heady company. Uh, and Nicholas, I think, uh, has long escaped notice uh, on the part of many Catholics, and, and certainly in the history of the Church, uh, he's definitely overshadowed by both Leo and Gregory. And yet, uh, he was in his time called the Great, and we can rank him as arguably the 
the greatest of the early medieval popes. Wow. And to put in a nutshell what he did, he really helped to establish uh, the papacy at a time of uh, the unraveling of a lot of civilization uh, in the West uh, and set the stage for the reforming popes who followed him in the next 200 years. So he definitely does deserve to be called the Great but he's also called the Great because he is a remarkable pope who is also a remarkable saint. Yeah, yeah. So let's dive into this and and give him some uh, much needed publicity here uh, to a Catholic audience. So you mentioned that this is kind of the unraveling of the West. What was going on in the West during the time in which he lived? If we go to the very start of the century, we have uh, the crowning of Charlemagne, uh, one of the foremost rulers in the history of Christendom and the history of Western civilization, around 800. That empire began to fall apart uh, after Charlemagne's death. It was divided, and uh, we can see that uh, disintegration of what was called the Carolingian Empire had an effect then on order, on good society. Uh, there were divisions among his heirs, and into that vacuum, as always seemed to happen, uh, the papacy needed to step. It, it needed to really provide some sort of clarity in terms of culture. But at the same time, uh, in the north, you had the Danes who were on the march, uh, the, the pagan Danes who were invading uh, England and elsewhere. Uh, and in the south, uh, it's forgotten, uh, Muslim raiders and Muslim armies were constantly threatening uh, not just southern Italy, but all the way to Rome, which is why one of uh, the successors to Nicholas actually had to build what was called the, the Leonine Wall in order to try to keep Rome safe. Uh, so there was a lot happening in this era uh, of crisis. And then within the Church, you had a lot of archbishops uh, who were overstepping their bounds, uh, deposing bishops, and uh, forcing their will on the bishops surrounding them. So as I was saying, whoever came in as pope at this particular junction needed to have uh, a great strength of will, but also the great patience to deal with all of these crises at the same time. And boy, it sounded like he did. As I was reading up on him, I was thinking, man, we don't understand the papacy in the same way anymore. I think probably in the wake of the loss of the papal states really is when we start seeing um, this kind of become lesser and lesser, if you will. But talk about his his sheer force in the, the realm of church-state relations. Well, that's right. Uh, now, he had the advantage that having grown up uh, in Rome from a pretty powerful family, he was well aware of the papacy. He was well aware of service, and he rose pretty rapidly uh, under several popes. And it was uh, after the death of Pope Benedict III, uh, as you know, in 858, uh, that he was subsequently elected. That's important because he was elected with the support of uh, the emperor and wasted no time at all uh, in really establishing himself as the, the chief spokesperson for the, the papal primacy in the Church. He recognized immediately that all of that was being stepped on. Uh, but as you note, uh, it was unusual for that era. And he was also very much aware of the need to defend the papal states, so the actual territory that was possessed uh, by the popes in, in the great feudal system that was developing. 
So he moved on multiple fronts. Uh, for example, he moved against an archbishop by the name of John or Giovanni of Ravenna, uh, who was uh, waging war uh, in many different ways on the bishops in his province, the so-called suffragan bishops. And deposing some, he was uh, oppressing others, he was actually imprisoning, arresting and imprisoning priests that he didn't like. And Nicholas moved quickly then to bring him to heel, in exactly the same way that he did. Uh, moved against another set of archbishops, including Archbishop Hinkmar of Wren. These are names that no one has really heard of or even discussed for a very, very long time. But it's important for us to know these names because they were opponents, really, of the rightful authority of the papacy in making these decisions. And Nicholas made it stick. He brought them all through synods to the requests, uh, to bringing them to Rome and negotiating with them through all the different means that he had at his disposal uh, to rec- have them recognize papal authority in exactly the same way that he did with different rulers. Yeah, and we're already running out of time. Um, I guess <laughs> just quickly, can you talk about his reputation for the holiness of life and, and what he has to say to us today, Dr. Bunsen? That's right. He was a pope in what became called the Iron Age of the Papacy, which was a difficult time for the popes. He stands out as a saint, as an ascetic, as somebody who loved prayer, who called for Christians everywhere to fast on Wednesdays and Fridays. Mm. It's a lesson for us today. Uh, to fast and pray, and Nicholas understood the power of it. Pope St. Nicholas I, the Great, pray for us. Pray for us. Dr. Bunsen, thank you. Great to be with you. Likewise. All right, we got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for most of our affiliates here on EWTN Radio. Monday the 13th of November, among other things, the Feast of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Let's pray together in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, may we see and serve you in the sick, the suffering, and the sorrowful. May we know you in the poor, the uneducated, and the unloved. May we love you in the unwanted, the bereaved, the alien, and the refugee. May we find compassion in the community of faith in times of our own need. O God, you sent St. Francis Xavier Cabrini from her home out into the world to preach in action the good news of your love for all peoples, especially those in need. May her generosity continue to spark in your people an outpouring of love for all who suffer want. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Mother Cabrini, pray for us. And some great reminders because I don't know if you flipped open your parish bulletin and paid attention yesterday or these coming weeks, uh, there are going to be plenty of opportunities, kind of a heightened sense of uh, opportunity and responsibility to those who are struggling this time of year. I bet your parish has a gazillion things going on, a gazillion opportunities for you to reach out to the people in your own community who are struggling, especially this time of year. 
It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has the video up and running. You can see it in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Uh, we will talk to Teresa Tamio live from Italy. Uh, she's been giving us all kinds of updates. I know she's going to want to say something about Mother Cabrini this morning. <clears throat> so we'll at least ask her about that. Brendan Hodge has more on synodality and South America and some of the statistics and polling and situations uh, regarding that. Bear Wozniak's going to be on with us. Hadn't talked to Bear in a while. That'll be kind of fun. We get we get to bust out Bear's music today, that means. And then Stephanie Mann with more thoughts and stories from English Catholic martyrs and confessors. So stay with us if you can. Right now it's two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says he is trying to get field hospitals set up in Gaza. Speaking on NBC's Meet the Press yesterday, Netanyahu said he wants civilian patients to be able to move out of Gaza's main hospital, which is reportedly above Hamas's underground headquarters and has no power currently. The prime minister said he's reached out to the United Nations and leaders from different countries to build field hospitals. He noted that French President Emmanuel Macron sent a floating hospital. Netanyahu added that he has offered Hamas, quote, enough fuel for the main hospital, which he said Hamas rejected. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis prayed again for peace in the Holy Land after praying for Sudan. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones has more. Pope Francis has called attention to the serious humanitarian crisis in Sudan caused by the ongoing civil war in the African nation that shows no signs of abating. The Pope decried the many victims, including millions of internally displaced persons and refugees in neighboring countries. The Pope said he's close to the sufferings of the dear populations of Sudan, and he addresses a heartfelt appeal to local leaders to facilitate access to humanitarian aid and with the contribution of the international community to work in search of peaceful solutions. The Pope said, let us not forget these brothers and sisters of ours who are in distress. The Pope then spoke about the desperate situation regarding Israel and Palestine, underscoring his closeness to all those suffering, Palestinians and Israelis. He said he remembers and prays for them every day, and he offers them his embrace at this dark moment. The Pope exclaimed, may the weapons be stopped. They will never lead to peace, and may the conflict not spread. Enough, enough, brothers. He said, in Gaza, let the wounded be rescued immediately, and let civilians be protected, and let far more humanitarian aid be allowed to reach that stricken population. The Pope prayed also that may the hostages be freed, including the elderly and children. And he stressed that every human being, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, of any people or religion, every human being is sacred, is precious in the eyes of God, and has the right to live in peace. Let us not lose hope and let us pray and work tirelessly so that the sense of humanity may prevail over hardness of heart. I'm Thaddeus Jones. Pope Francis over the weekend relieved Bishop Joseph Strickland from his care of the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. This coming after the Vatican a few months ago had ordered an apostolic visitation into the governance of the diocese. The move was confirmed on Saturday. Bishop Strickland was reportedly asked to but declined to resign. The 
outspoken bishop, has been a harsh critic of the pope, especially on social media, accusing him of undermining the deposit of faith. An apostolic administrator has been appointed to the Tyler Diocese. The Pentagon says all five American service members aboard an aircraft were killed when it crashed into the eastern Mediterranean Sea Friday night. According to a U.S.-European command statement, a mishap occurred during a routine air refueling mission. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is defending himself against accusations the FBI is investigating his role in a Turkish consulate project. Mark Mayfield has more. The FBI is reportedly focusing on text messages related to the opening of the Turkish government's consulate in Manhattan. Federal investigators are looking into whether or not the texts from Adams helped fast-track the opening of the new building in 2021. This comes after the FBI raided the Brooklyn home of his top fundraiser. Adams has said he will fully cooperate with investigators. I'm Mark Mayfield. And scientists in Texas have discovered apparently a new species of dinosaur. While a small fossil from the animal was discovered in 2020, more bones were found near Lake Grapevine this week. And scientists confirmed it was an entirely new species. The small herbivore's Latin name, Ampelognathus coheni, translates roughly to Cohen's grapevine jaw, a combination of Murray Cohen, who first made the discovery and the place where it was found. The dinosaur was likely about six feet long and between 20 to 60 pounds. This story, particularly for my niece, Mary. Mayor, I expect a full report on this new dinosaur the next time I see you. Today is Monday, November the 13th. It is the feast of Mother Cabrini, St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Pray for us. Pope St. Nicholas the Great as well. Pray for us. Teresa Tamio joins us next. It's eight past. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. And it's always great to catch up with Teresa Tamio from EWTN and Ave Maria Radio's Catholic Connection, especially since... Teresa is Italian-American, and we got an Italian-American saint on the calendar today. Teresa, good morning. Woohoo! Good morning. Ciao, ciao from Bella Italia. Yes, and the uh, motherland of myself and also, of course, our great saint today. That is wonderful. Mother Cabrini, indeed. So, uh, I mean, do you guys have, like, any kind of special party for Mother Cabrini because of the Italian-American kinship, or you just, uh, you just do what you normally do and just eat lots of Italian food anyway? I would say the second point that you made. Yeah, I don't think there's any sort of a special uh, tribute or anything, but people really respect her, especially on the East Coast uh, in New York City and the big Italian 
neighborhoods in Jersey where I'm originally from. But, yeah, the saints are just so incredible, and that's one of the things I was telling Paul that I just wanted to mention, because our pilgrimage just wrapped up. We had 32 pilgrims from around the country, including an adorable couple, the youngest on the trip, Kate and Luke from Columbus, Ohio. They were so sweet. All right, St. Gabriel Radio Country. Yep, absolutely, and it was just great. And I think they all came away with a deeper sense of the importance of no matter what happens and how crazy things get, that this is not our first rodeo in the church. And when you walk in the footsteps of giants like St. Francis and St. Clair and so many other saints, and when you're able to experience where a Eucharistic miracle took place, that it reminds us not that we minimize the issues, but God is still in charge. And the best thing we can do, really, and you and I have talked about this so much, Matt, is to pray harder, make sure that we're improving our own relationship with God. And are we doing God's will. And there was a really cool homily. There were very many cool homilies because there were three deacons on the trip and also a wonderful chaplain, our chaplain, Father James Conlon from the Diocese of Lansing, Michigan. The first homily he gave talked about that you have an RSVP from God and you need to respond. So how will you respond to that invitation? You know, we love getting invited to parties and feasts and whatnot, but God has invited us to the greatest feast of all, the wedding feast of a lamb, how are we going to respond? So lots of great lessons, a great trip, and excited about next year. Very cool. You know, I like that idea of this. Well, I mean, this, this is what the gospel is about yesterday, like essentially being people people being invited to a party and right. uh, people not being prepared for that. And I know, Teresa, that you would not go to a party not thinking, like, I'm just going to show up wearing whatever. You know, I'm just going to show up and, like, you know, not not plan this. If somebody invites you to something nice, right, a wedding, right. Uh, you know, a Christmas party, some kind of something, like, you're going to think this through. Like, I overthink this. I'm like, well, let me think about who I know is going and who's allergic to what. What's the thing that I can make that's going to be, like, the hit? Like, what's the thing mm-hmm. that I'm going to make that's going to be, like, you know, I'm going to crush it at the appetizer table, you know, that sort of thing. Like, we, we plan these things out. And, uh, you know, if some of us would give, like, even just a fraction of the thought to, like, you know, preparing ourselves for mass. <laughs> like, I wonder what right. would happen. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you should say that because there's a new book coming out in December, uh, end of December, early January, that uh, Kelly Walquist is the editor, and she edited a chapter, myself, Dr. Mary Healy, and several women were focusing on different chapters in Scripture, and I'm talking about Esther, and I entitled the chapter Dress for Success because Esther knew, even though she she didn't really like the fact that she was a queen and she people looked at her this way, but she knew that she had a role and that when she went before the king, she had to, to look the part. And I think we have to understand that when we, as you just mentioned, you think about it, right? You want to make something nice for the party. You want to look nice, not only out of respect for yourself and your body, a temple of the Holy Spirit, but respect for the host, respect for them having the kindness and decency to inviting you to a party or maybe Thanksgiving or maybe a Christmas Eve get-together. But we do think about that strongly and clearly, and we should. But again, how much do we think about how are we going before the Lord? And not just in the way we dress, but the way we dress inside. So our spirituality and the way we walk into Mass. Are we happy? Are we joyful? Are we walking in like, oh, here we go again, I just have to fulfill my Sunday obligation. So I think there's some of the lessons that we reviewed over this past 10 days so it was just a great trip, and I just want to thank all of our, our listeners out there because we had many people listening to, of course, Sunrise Morning Show. They love our segments and, of course, all the great programming on EW10 Radio. It was a real affirmation. Yeah, that's very cool to hear, and uh, I'm so glad that you uh, you had a great time uh, and had some, some people. You know, it's funny, Teresa, and I'm sure you can affirm this. Like sometimes 
I'll be in a setting where people have heard me on the radio and they talk about how excited they are to see me. I guarantee mm-hmm. you I'm more excited to see them, uh, yeah. mostly because I have no proof that anyone is listening right now. No. <laughs> So when I meet somebody well, and they're listening, like, oh, seriously? Like, you, you, you're you, the one who is making this whole thing worth it? Like, uh, you you made my day. I'm you, so you'll probably get you. this, too, where people tell you, well, you probably hear this all the time, Matt. No, I don't. Your show and you're awesome. Well, that's what no, I, I say. No, I don't. And thank you very much. It means a lot. Because if people are taking the time to make the effort to tell you they listen and they enjoy you, that means they really do. They're not just going to say it for the heck of it. And so it, it does mean a lot to us. Not that we want the accolades, but... To know that we're reaching people and that it's making a difference in their spirituality. You know, somebody, I can't even remember who said it. It might have been on our show. It might have been in a private conversation, but the idea of humility and false humility. So, and this Mm -hmm. is very hard for me. And I would encourage anybody who's got any kind of compliment coming their way today to think about this. So when when you did something and you did well at it and someone tells you you did well at it, the proper response, the the humble response is not like, oh, it was nothing. Oh, I'm no good at this or, you know, whatever. There's a lot of people better than me. The proper response is a very genuine thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because what I'm you're terrible doing at this, thanking. by the way. Yeah, yeah. No, you're, and, and, I, and I think that's, that's an important point because, well, whom are we thanking when we say thank you? Because who gave us those particular gifts that people are recognizing? It's a way of acknowledging God, isn't it? Yeah. I saw uh, C.J. Stroud from the Houston Texans who beat my Cincinnati Bengals with a last-second field goal yesterday. This That was his whole press conference. Like, I just got to thank God for it, you know. God gave mm-hmm. me these gifts. God put me in this position. He gave me these talents. I'm like, all right. Yep, amen. C.J. Stroud, I don't like what you did to my Bengals, but you got the right perspective. You got the right amen. perspective. All right, we'll be listening to Ave Maria Radio and EWTN's Catholic Connection later today and every weekday here on Catholic Radio. Have a great one, Teresa. Thanks, Matt. Be safe. You too. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. And Mother Cabrini, pray for us. It's quarter past. We're back right after this. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. You are in danger, Mary. This child. What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem, starring Fiona Palomo, Milo Mannheim, Lecrae, Joel Smallbone, and Antonio Banderas. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere now. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. Lord, Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian Prayer Series, can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. You know, we talk story with each of our very unique guests for the whole hour. 
so that you can go deep with us as you yourself pursue your own story of heroic virtue and as you pursue intimacy with God. The Bear Wozniak Adventure, Saturday night, 6 Eastern on EWTN Radio. 18 minutes past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has said he's trying to get field hospitals set up in Gaza and has also said there may be a deal in the works to free more hostages being held by Hamas. Pope Francis, during his Angelus address yesterday, appealed again for peace in the Holy Land and over the weekend relieved Bishop Joseph Strickland from his care of the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Uh, again, we've got a bunch of different saints on the calendars. Mother Cabrini on the calendar mm-hmm. today. Uh, we mm-hmm. talked about um, Pope St. Nicholas the First, mm-hmm. Pope St. Nicholas the Great. I love the, the fact that, that uh, there's another great out there that we just haven't talked about as being great. And, I know, uh, right? We'll share more of that conversation with Dr. Matthew Bunsen in our local hour today. Um, but also St. Josephat. And uh, yes. looking forward, we're going to share something. Uh, or wait, wasn't tomorrow. he yesterday? Or was he Josephat, yesterday? St. Josephat Kunchevich. Yeah, that's a, yeah. That's a while. I think he was yesterday. Yeah. Um, but we're going to talk about some cool stuff with Dr. Benjamin Lewis, uh, who uh, translates divine office stuff and liturgical things. So uh, very much looking forward to that. But yeah. we got, I mean, we've got a great run of... Uh, of feast days this week. We got St. Albert the Great mm-hmm. on the 15th, mm-hmm. uh, Gertrude the Great. Uh, so, a couple of uh, greats. Uh... That's what I was going to say is that as I'm looking on the calendar, like half the people on the calendar this week have the <laughs> great, great attached to their name. It's <laughs> a good point. I like uh, that. And then you got Elizabeth of Hungary on the 17th, and she was great, but yeah. like that's not, we don't call her the great. Indeed. November is a great month of saints. It I mean, indeed. we last week we're celebrating Leo the Great. I mean, you think about it. If the dates had lined up, if this were a Monday, if the tenth were a Monday, how many of the greats would we have gotten in, be the in the span same. of the week? Yeah, it's a great week. A, you know, that would be a yet. great week. I'm gonna look. So Thursday is the 23rd. I just want to check and see whose feast day is on the 23rd. Uh, Pope Clement the first. Oh, you know who? Uh, Pope you know Saint who Clement. That's Peter's successor. Yeah. Yeah. Cecilia um, on the twenty second. Oh, Miguel Pro is also Miguel on the twenty third. Is on the twenty third. Blessed Oof. Miguel Pro. By the way, we've got to work on getting some miracles for him. Got to get that guy up and running. Yeah. You know what's great about Miguel Pro is that his feast always falls because it's the twenty third of November, right close around the feast to the of feast the of Christ the King. The King. Yeah. And what are Blessed Miguel's prose last words? Viva Cristo, Viva Cristo Rey. Rey. Long live Christ the King. Mm-hmm. I love November saints. All you men, holy men and women pray on the calendar us. in the month of November, pray for us. A lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. 
Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. A meditation and reflection of St. John Vianney. The Christian's treasure is not on earth, but in heaven. Our thoughts, then, ought to be directed to where our treasure is. This is the glorious duty of man, to pray and to love. Prayer is nothing else but union with God. In this intimate union, God and the soul are fused together like two bits of wax that no one can ever pull apart. Prayer never leaves us without sweetness. It is honey that flows into the soul and makes all things sweet. When we pray properly, sorrows disappear like snow before the sun. How often we come to church with no idea of what to do or what to ask for. And yet, whenever we go to any human being, we know well enough why we go. I often think that when we come to adore the Lord, we would receive everything we ask for if we would ask with living faith and with a pure heart. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Mark Watkins. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on Monday. Brendan Hodge back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog. He's author of If You Can Get It, a novel from Ignatius Press, and is a contributing editor to The Pillar. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning. Good to be on with you. It is good to have you back. And we are continuing to unpack the data from a piece that uh, you recently wrote for The Pillar in the wake of an interview that Cardinal Christoph, uh, I almost said Christoph Schoenborn, Christoph Pierre, uh, the apostolic nuncio to the United States, uh, gave to America magazine. And in it, he seemed kind of mystified that the American bishops don't know much about and therefore have not embraced this sort of style or model of evangelization that came out of the so-called Aparecida Conference in uh, South America back in 2007. And you did some data mining to see how the church is doing in South America as compared to North America. And let's pick up, pick up where we left off the last time. Um, you did some comparisons of, of South and North America on the number of baptisms and the number of Catholic marriages in recent years. Can you take us through those numbers again? Yes. So uh, one of the things that we looked at is the Vatican publishes an annual statistics book where they show uh, the number of Catholics in different countries around the world, the percentage of the population that's Catholic, and then the number of major sacraments that are going on. So Catholics who are baptized, who receive marriage in the Church, who are uh, buried in the Church and who are ordained, etc. And uh, what we see is that in South and Central America, actually very much like in the United States, we're seeing a significant decrease in the practice of kind of these basic milestone sacraments over the last 20 years. So um, if we look at since that uh, uh, Aparicia conference in 2007, 
Uh, Brazil has seen the number of baptisms per thousand Catholics drop by 39%. Uh, that's actually exactly the same as the United States. The United States has also seen their number of baptisms per thousand Catholics drop by 39%. And while Mexico and Argentina, sort of two of the other biggest countries in the region, haven't dropped quite as much, they've dropped 27% and 23%. What we're seeing is really that pretty broadly, not as many Catholics are having their children baptized as was the case 20 years ago. Uh, on average, across all of Central and South America, that decrease is 36 percent. Hmm. Um, and the decrease in Catholics getting married in the Church is actually even larger. So in Brazil, the number of marriages per thousand Catholics has dropped by 41 percent. Uh, Mexico and Argentina have actually dropped further, 42 percent and 59 percent each. Uh, so the U.S. is no picnic either. In the U.S., the number of marriages per thousand Catholics has dropped by 37 percent. But uh, that means that the U.S. has actually not dropped as much as the average for Central and South America, which is 45 percent. So when, uh, for instance, throughout the Synod and Synodality, one of the things that's being discussed a lot is what to do about Catholics who are not married in the church, you can see this is a very live issue in Central and South America, is increasingly Catholics are not getting married in the church, they're not having their children baptized in the church, and of course that underlines that there's, at a pretty basic level, they're very, very uninvolved in the church. Yeah, and I, you could only imagine that those numbers will continue to drop if something doesn't pick up soon in terms of um, baptisms especially, but um, those numbers don't give uh, the entire picture necessarily. Um, and you went looking at some statistics from what's known as the World Values Survey. What is the World Values Survey? What kind of information does it look at? So the World Values Survey is a sort of repeated panel of surveys, which is conducted every five to seven years. And it's conducted simultaneously in a lot of countries all over the world. And the idea is to try to get a sense of what sort of social trends are going on all across the world in different countries. So they ask a lot of things about whether people trust the government, uh, whether they think that their neighbors are honest, whether or not they think they're like their neighbors or different from their neighbors, things like this. But they also ask questions about religion. And one of the questions that they ask is uh, what religion you consider yourself to belong to and then another is uh, whether you are going to uh, going to church services and praying and things like this. Um, so they, we took a look at uh, what religious affiliation people in Central and South America say that they have, because of course, in the mind of the church um, and in the mind of God, once you are baptized into the Catholic Church, you are a Catholic for life, whether right. you continue to consider yourself Catholic or not. Uh, but what we saw is that there's there's a pretty drastic falling away in the number of people who consider themselves Catholic in some of these countries. And Brazil is really the shocking number here. So in Brazil, back in the late 90s, um, so in the wave from 1995 to 1998, 70% of Brazilians said that they were Catholic. By 2007, that had dropped to 60%. And then by 2017 to 2022, that had dropped to 46%. So 24% of Brazilians stopped calling themselves Catholic over the last 25 years. Wow. Um, and it's sort of a split of those ones who drifted away. Half now say they have no religion, and half now say that they are evangelicals. 
and <laughs> I mean, you just th- that that kind of statistic is just so depressing, Brendan. And I guess really points to maybe this synodality thing. I don't know. I mean, we don't have time to get into it now, but um, yeah, go read Brendan's piece over at Pillar Catholic. Uh, you can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Brendan, I think. Thank you. Thank you. It was good to talk with you. It was good to have you. It was. All right. It's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says he's trying to get field hospitals set up in Gaza. Speaking on NBC's Meet the Press, Netanyahu says he wants civilian patients to be able to move out of Gaza's main hospital, which is reportedly, according to Israel, above underground headquarters for Hamas. The hospital itself has no power and people are dying. The prime minister said he's reached out to the United Nations and leaders from different countries to build field hospitals, noting that French President Emmanuel Macron sent a floating hospital. Netanyahu added that he offered Hamas, quote, enough fuel for the main hospital, which he said Hamas rejected. Netanyahu also said there may be a deal in the works to free more hostages being held by Hamas. Mark Mayfield has more. Appearing on NBC's Meet the Press, Netanyahu didn't go into any detail, saying the chances of a deal are better the less he talks about it. He did say Israel was not close at all to any agreement until its forces began a ground operation into Gaza. The prime minister was responding to reports of a possible deal for the release of as many as 80 women, children and elderly being held captive. An estimated 240 hostages are currently held by Hamas. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis appealed again for the Holy Land during his Angelus address yesterday. He said, quote, may the weapons be stopped. They will never lead to peace and may the conflict not widen. Enough, enough, brothers, he said. In Gaza, let the wounded be rescued immediately. Let civilians be protected. Let far more humanitarian aid be allowed to reach that stricken population. May the hostages be freed, including the elderly and children. Every human being, Christian, Jewish, and Muslim, he said, of any people or religion, every human being is sacred, is precious in the eyes of God, and has the right to live in peace. He said, let us not lose hope. Let us pray and work tirelessly so that the sense of humanity may prevail over hardness of heart, end quote. In his catechesis, the Holy Father reflected on the Sunday gospel passage of the parable of the ten virgins. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. The parable in the gospel reading, according to St. Matthew, the Pope said, regards the meaning of life of each person while acknowledging that all those bridesmaids are there to welcome the bridegroom as they are there with their lamps waiting, the Pope said the difference between the wise and the foolish ones was tied to the preparation. The wise ones, he observed, took flasks of oil with their lamps, that is to say the unseen element that generated the light. However, the foolish ones, on the other hand, did not. The Pope said that that was the difference and observed that oil's characteristic is that it cannot be seen. It is inside the lamps. It is not conspicuous, but without it, the lamps do not give light. 
The Holy Father urged faithful to see the relevance of this parable in their own lives. Jesus says he insisted that the wisdom of life lies elsewhere in taking care of what cannot be seen but is more important, caring for the heart, the faith. The Pope called this wisdom the stewardship of the inner life, which knows how to stop and listen to one's heart, to keep watch over one's thoughts and feelings and make room for silence and listening. It is capable of, he said, giving up some time in front of the telephone screen to look at the light of the eyes of others and in God's gaze upon us. For everyone, the Pope said, it requires not falling into the trap of activism, but devoting time to the Lord, to listening to His Word. The gospel, the Pope highlighted, warns us against neglecting the oil of inner life, or the oil of the soul, as he called it. The inner life, the Pope said, cannot be improvised, but requires constancy and a little preparation each day. For this reason, the Pope asked the faithful to ask themselves how they are preparing. The Holy Father said we must each examine the state of the oil of our souls, asking, do I nourish it and do I keep it well? I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Pope Francis, over the weekend, relieved Bishop Joseph Strickland from his care of the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. This move coming after a Vatican-ordered apostolic visitation into the governance of the diocese a few months ago. The move was confirmed on Saturday. Bishop Strickland reportedly was asked to resign but declined. The outspoken bishop has been a harsh critic of the pope, accusing him of undermining the deposit of faith. An apostolic administrator has been appointed to lead the Tyler Diocese. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's now 35 minutes past the hour. It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Father Rob Jack with the Heart of St. Paul. A common question that many people ask concerns whether or not their actions are in union with the will of God. It's clear to St. Paul that God does not keep us guessing whether or not we are doing his will. God will always give us indicators to help us know if we are on the right path. St. Paul refers to these in the letter to the Galatians as fruits of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. If one is trying to live in the presence of God, these fruits will be seen in one form or another. They all flow from the Holy Spirit and help us in our love of God and neighbor, as well as with the personal struggles that occur in our souls. The fruits are more than passing feelings. They become, as we draw closer to Christ, the ordinary way in which we live our lives. With these gifts comes a humble awareness that we must depend on God to care for us and at the same time realize that God depends on us to use these fruits as seeds to plant in the hearts of others. The experience of the fruits show us that our souls are not arid deserts, but lush gardens, places where we can dwell with God in prayer. Let us ask the Lord that the fruits of the Holy Spirit that we enjoy can be enjoyed by others through our loving service to them. And this is what we learn from the heart of St. Paul. 
that music means. That means it's time to talk to Bear Wozniak. Bear Wozniak has a lot of things going on in his world, including a new book called 12 Rules for Manliness, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? Bear, it's been too long. How are you doing? Hey, it's good to hear that you guys found that same music. That's awesome. We, we keep it in a special vault, and we only break it out when you come along. So uh, <laughs> it's too perfect. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this, this book that now that it's out because you and I had several conversations about it as you were kind of putting it together, this idea of where have all the cowboys gone uh, and these rules. I, I like it because so many people have a misunderstanding of what a cowboy is really about. They think it's a person who – takes matters into their own hands and goes vigilante and drinks lots of whiskey and doesn't listen to anybody and doesn't care what anybody thinks. And uh, it turns out that those are all kind of like the opposite of what actual cowboys are. <laughs> so yeah. uh, you know, what, what did you find as you were putting together this book? Well, it's so cool. You know, my wife is a, was a rodeo girl, barrel racer and trick rider. And so she kind of puts the the cowboy part of this into the book, but uh, it, was, it was really an interesting process. It was when we were driving along Diamond Head uh, one morning that my wife said, you got to listen to this song, and it was Paula Cole singing, Where's My John Wayne? Where have all the cowboys gone? And whenever we go speak, uh, we tend to be kind of surrounded before we get even in the door by women saying, please tell the men we want them to be men. And uh, so she kind of gave me the inspiration for the, the cowboy theme of it all, but the uh, it turns out that, you know, the, the word for man in the Latin is beer. It's where we get the word virtue. And so that's the real cowboy. That's the real cowboy. Someone who I really think it is true when I read the, old, the Louis L'Amour Westerns, and I use a lot of his quotes in here, by the way, um, that the men were seeking to be virtuous, and also the women were, were strong in his books. So it, it's, it's, really, uh, it's really Aquinas saying that love is, uh, is a willing the true good for the other, and it's really... Uh, all about John Paul II, who was really a cowboy, by the way, a uh, real man's man, who, uh, who wrote uh, about self-donation. He wrote about love and responsibility, and that's kind of the essence of a cowboy, those, those, those phrases. Well, when you think about cowboys, the way that they, like I say, it, 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 there, there are a number of reasons that this has come to be the case, but someone might refer to a cowboy or a, or a maverick, uh, they might use that word on someone who runs a YouTube channel where they just like express their opinions loudly all the time, even if like people disagree oh. with them. Uh, you know, so like somebody might just be like, "Oh, that guy's a cowboy. He's not afraid to say anything on his YouTube channel." Turns out that those people are also very sensitive and not very resilient and tough, right? Because you 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 say something back to them and they can't handle it, right? Uh, whereas cowboys. In like real life, they don't have a lot to say. They just get the job done, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, I mean, yeah. Well, you they... know, the word maverick, they have it in the dictionary under Max Wayne. But uh, oh my! But no, uh, I, was, I was riding that. motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> I was riding motorcycles in uh, in Boise, where they're doing a promotion for the for the Salt Light Radio, and we were going to do a few of us go for a motorcycle ride. It turned out sixty people rode, and the three hour ride became eight hours. But there was a man and a woman in the support truck that I met the day before signing books. And I, when I looked up to this man, he was probably in his late seventies. And, uh, I looked up at him and I go, are you a cowboy? And he goes, well, I've always worked on ranches. And then the next day we're riding, they drove the support truck. And I asked the woman, uh, are, are men today anything like cowboys? And she goes, no, they're not anything like cowboys. Um, it just, it sounded to me, I write in the book, like a swinging, uh, uh, screen, Green door, you know how they 
I, when I was a kid, we used to use screen doors, and I remember my grandmother's kind of banging the wind a little bit. It just it was just kind of left left banging like there, and it seems like you know the men that I knew when I was young, they were cowboys. I mean, they may not have ridden horses, but they lived by the by a cowboy code, a certain code that they held each other to. They're men of their word, uh, and and yeah, you're right. So many uh, the cowboys don't say a lot, but what they say, you know, usually it was full of uh, full of meaning. And not only were they men of their word, but so many were men of the word, too. Well, there you've got that also. Um, but, there, man, there's so many things that I want to ask you about this. I find also that there's a sense of duty, right, that you have to have, you know, in order to kind of understand what a real cowboy life is like. And right. men today, like, right. have, like, no sense of duty to anything other than themselves, <laughs> right? Right. And that, I say this because I'm a man, yeah. And I understand, like, how sometimes you just want to, like, do your own thing and have people leave you alone and let other people handle the duty stuff. But the duty part is huge. Well, you know what? You know what, Matt? Uh, men will complain, like, uh, oh, they make fun of us on TV. Oh, you know, where the, they make it, you know, they, we've, they've marginalized us. No, they haven't. That, that, those are the words of the victim. Men cause that to happen. We let that happen. And we let that happen as soon as we... Stop taking responsibility. I'm going to tell you more more directly. It happened with the pill when men could, when men the, in the free love generation. It wasn't free at all. It was just bondage and and uh, lack of freedom and lack of love. When men it was a free pass for guys to be huh? immature and never grow up. Right. Right. Yeah. I call them man boys. You know, John Wayne said, uh, uh, "You're born a boy. You're born a boy, but you got to become a man." And he also said, "These are Louis Lamore's words," but he also said. Uh, you got to first be a man before you can be a gentleman. And I think that's where we lost it. When men began to take advantage of women, put pressure on them. And if you really love me, you go to bed with me, that sort of a thing. I know we have, you know, different age listeners listening, but, but it's, it's that it's taking without giving. It's not, it's, it's taking without taking uh, responsibilities. We say in Hawaii, kuleana, you know, stewardship. So it's love and responsibility go hand in hand. Love without responsibility isn't love at all. It's just warm, gushy feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and when you talk about that love and responsibility, it's amazing to me the people that get held up as heroes, uh, whether on the football field, in the political arena, any of these things. And, you know, they may have some good ideas and good perspectives and be real talented and skilled and make some great plays. And then you're like, oh, that person's amazing. That's my hero. And I'm like, that person's on their fourth wife. <laughs> like, yeah. And you, you know, know like, you know what? It's like, yeah. It's so many, so many people uh, today on YouTube, you know, they talk about, you know, be a man. How many? You know, what's your? How many women have you been with? You know, yeah. how much money you make? How much? How fit are you? But it, this book isn't a self-help book. This is a different book. This is a. Well, I, I like to say it's about grit and grace. It takes both of those. A man needs to. A man comes factory loaded to live a life of heroic virtue. We 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 have that instinct with it within us to lay down our lives. But then, uh, but we get lazy and we take the easy way. One of my chapters is called "Ride the Proving Trail." You know, uh, you know, pursue God's plan for his for your life, and so, uh, yeah, we we can't we we. It's not about just being gritty. It's not about just seeking pleasure. It's about uh, it's about fortitude. It's a, but it's by doing it by by a personal relationship with Jesus, with Jesus riding alongside you. You know that that that's what Christianity is. It's a personal relationship with Jesus, and it's relying on Him to to do the work that the, and to live the life that He's calling you to. And cowboys knew. They made yeah. decisions for them were very simple because they had defined for themselves a personal creed, 
and they had defined for themselves the codes, the code that they would live by. Creed is like a one-word or two-word sentence. A code is like, you know, I'm a, I'm a Benedictino blade. It's the rules that I've learned to live my life out by, but I have a one-sentence creed that I personally live by, and I think we need to come to men and women together who are reading this book as husband and wives uh, are doing this, this, this work of writing out their creed and defining their personal code together. Well, and I love to, and I wish we had more time to talk about this, even the idea of a cowboy riding for the brand, right? Uh, yeah. For, the, for, for something larger than himself. And uh, I always kind of wonder if someone were to walk into my house, what would they think I believed in? Uh, and sometimes I wonder yeah. if they'd think, well, this guy believes in Legos and Lay's potato chips, right? <laughs> you know, I, mean, yeah, I want I somebody think, to walk into my house and be like, know. what brand does this guy actually ride for? Well, we know. We know you ride for the brand. Hey, we're going to be sailing in the Virgin Islands for the next two months. So we're going to be on the East Coast. We can hook up. If you want to talk story for the next couple months, I'm on the East Coast. I don't have to wake up at 3 in the morning. You don't morning, have to wake so. up on Hawaii time to be on a yeah. East Coast morning show? Yeah, See, so now that's... think about inviting me on to do these 12, these 12 rules. It's I'd fun. love to do They're it, They're all man. based on your life anyway, Matt. Plus, plus, we get to break out the music as well. Bear Wozniak, <laughs> we've got your book, 12 Rules for Manliness, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a great day. Okay. Aloha. Aloha yourself. 14 till. We're back right after this. Support is for MediShare. Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into. And that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month. And that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Hi friends, Janet Williams here. Join me every Wednesday on Women of Grace Live as I welcome new age researcher and blogger for Women of Grace, Sue Brinkman. Sue and I will be talking about all the wacky things that could distract you from your faith. Psychics, yoga, Reiki, crystals, acupuncture, Ouija boards, tarot cards, and astral traveling are just a few of the stranger things we discuss. That's why we call it Wacky Wednesday. So join us at 11 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Coming up later this morning on More to Life. We'll be taking your calls and helping you celebrate the life you were meant to live. Tune in to More to Life, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 Central on EWTN Radio. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 12 till, here's Anna with headlines. 
Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says he's trying to get field hospitals set up in Gaza as the main hospital in the Gaza Strip is without power with Israel moving in saying that this is above an underground headquarters for Hamas. Pope Francis, during his Angelus address, made another appeal for peace in the Holy Land. And over the weekend, Pope Francis relieved Bishop Joseph Strickland from his care of the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Stephanie Mann. Go read her excellent blog over at supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com. Continuing our series looking at the stories in Mementos of the English Martyrs and Confessors by Father Henry Sebastian Bowden. Steffi, Stephanie, good morning. <laughs> good morning, Anna. Steffi, I think maybe again. I'll just start calling yeah. you that. I'm kidding. <laughs> No. Uh-oh, no. No, 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 no. I won't no, do it. I won't no, do it. I'm kidding. Never. It was a slip of the tongue. In any event, um, I, I love how sure. you titled this on your blog. Yeah. Today we are talking about two second chance Benedictine martyrs. Uh, tell us why they're yeah. second chance martyrs. Well, Blessed Hugh Farrenden and Blessed Richard Whitting, both, they're both Benedictine abbots, didn't stand up at the right time the first right time, but mm-hmm. they stood up eventually to defend the Catholic faith and the Benedictine order. As I thought about it a little bit more since I posted it, it reminded me of what Thomas St. Thomas More said one time, you know, that he, yes, Henry VIII could cut off his head any time he wanted to. And mm-hmm. it kind of proves that this kind of proves that it, all he was doing when he really, when he stood up at the beginning of this whole movement that Henry VIII was bringing to England to destroy destroy Catholicism and remake it in his own image was that in a way he was choosing the time that he would die under Henry VIII. These men maybe thought they could hold it off or they didn't realize what, well, and more just had a more of an insight maybe into Henry VIII's mind as a, as a tyrant than they did. But, you know, they, finally did stand up for the faith because they saw that it was going to destroy their way of life and the, and the religious way of life in England. But yes, it is. And I, even, even, I don't know, but I wondered if Father Bowden's selection of the titles he gives them, he calls one of them a watchman and the other a guardian, but in a way, neither was right. at first. I mean, they realized and repented, but at first they weren't ready to stand up in the way, in the way of Henry VIII. And in fact, uh, blessed Hugh Farrenden even kind of accommodated him and helped him come up with the the uh, uh, excuses and the reasons that his first marriage should be annulled and he should be allowed to remarry for the sake of an heir for England. So they kind of put he maybe even more than than Abbot Whitting kind of put England's well-being above the church's well-being in England. Mm. So, yeah, it, they, they faced hard choices, but and that's why I thought it was interesting to kind of look at it that way. Look at the danger as soon as you can and defend yourself against it. Absolutely. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, blessed Hugh they're terrible, Farrington. They're terrible stories. They really are. I mean, Farrington's yeah. story um, really catches your breath in, in many ways. And, of course, on your blog, you... You bring out more than what we get in the the short reflections from Father Bowden. 
Mm-hmm. But talk a little bit more about Farringdon's story. And and you, well, you mentioned that that he kind of helped Henry VIII try to come up with mm-hmm. the reasons for why his marriage with with Queen Catherine should be annulled. And what kind of turned Hugh back to the church? When they came and tried to destroy his his abbey, and he was a good abbot. Uh, these what what was also interesting about both these men is they they were good abbots. There was no mm. scandal, there was no abuse in their in their abbeys, and he had been a good man and and had uh, prayed uh, f- prayed for the uh, salvation of of the king and of his uh, and of of all the successors of of King Henry the first who was actually buried in his abbey mm. and so he was a good man and and good at at, at his job of being an abbot it, uh father bowden speaks about him being learned and pious oh well and then here's the danger sign though is henry the eighth called him his own abbot Oof. so see he thought he owned yeah. him from yeah. the very beginning but yeah so it, it is amazing but yes it's when they come to him and want to destroy his abbey and he says that then he defends his the religious way of life and then then on the scaffold then he speaks out proudly Mm. he speaks out boldly and professes his fidelity to the holy see and says that is what you need to if you're going to be catholic you're going to have to be part of the universal catholic church you can't be part of a a henry church in england and so yes he he does find the way and finds the way to speak out boldly yeah, and uh, Blessed Richard Whitting, who you mentioned as well, the other one that we are uh, focusing on today, was in charge of a rather important monastery in the time, which is just no more, correct? Right. Oh, yes. Yeah, he had 100 monks. They had vast land holdings, this abbey did, and Glastonbury. And of course, you know, there's the opportunity for abuse and scandal, and yet he administered the lands well so that he could donate the money for relief of the poor. He, there was a uh, school associated with the Glastonbury Abbey that educated young men. And so again, he was doing everything he could do to uphold the Benedictine way of life in England, except that he took the oath of supremacy. And again, that I have that oh, that meme that went around for a while. If you like your monastery, you can keep your monastery with Henry VIII's That may have been my there. part of your blog post, but go on. <laughs> yeah. And then the reply is, yeah, you're not really going to keep your monastery. And that's yeah. what he found out, too. Yes, and his story is even more poignant because they, when they went to visit the monastery, preparing to close it down, uh, the... They could find no scandal. They could find no abuses. In fact, uh, the visitors wrote back to Cromwell and said, he's a good abbot. This is a good, well-run monastery. And Cromwell replied, basically, I didn't send you there to find out what's right with it. You need to find out what's wrong with it so we can suppress it. Henry VIII wants it. And so he, he got it because they, he charged uh, uh, Whitting with uh, violating, violating his oath of supremacy and his obedience to the king. And so yeah. both men were taken to the tower and then brought back to their abbeys and, and hanged, drawn, and quartered in front of those, their great foundations. So, it, yeah. but yes, it's very tragic and, and moving stories. Yeah, great witnesses of the faith in the end, um, which is the yes. important thing. For sure. So uh, you can read exactly. You can read more about it in Mementos of the English Martyrs and Confessors by Father 
Bowden and also over at Stephanie's blog, Supremacy and Survival, which you can find linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Stephanie, thank you. Thank you. Have a good week. You too. God bless you all.